I'm Samnika. And today we have a special guest. His name is Kadeem Fuller. What's up, y'all? <laughs> He's What's the square root of Kadeem Square. Mm-hmm. So Math on. jokes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's one half of Kadeem's Heart Kool-Aid. A nice little comedy group from around the way. Kadeem's Heart Kool-Aid, y'all. Please follow us on social media. We'll get into all that later on, but mm-hmm. please laugh responsibly. All that good stuff. <laughs> all right, all right. And today, for episode nine, we're going to be talking to you guys about... I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, leaving grad school for your best life. That's a message. Mm -hmm. Mm. So what kind of brought on this episode today? We just wanted to talk to you guys about dipping out. I mean, it's the end of December. You're probably tired. You're probably ready to not come back. Shit. And some of y'all might not want to come back. And that's understandable. I mean, I've been in situations where my project wasn't working. I ain't had no money to do something. And my first response was, fuck this shit. I can go get a better job. Okay? I'm out. And that's cool. And, of course, I didn't stick with it. I'm still in grad school. And I'm still almost, you know, at the end. But some people, you know, they kind of find that, look, I can do better without having to do all of this shit. And who better to tell you about it than somebody who's living their life? Yep. So, Kadeem. Hey, what's up, y'all? So how about you just tell us a little bit about your journey? So, like, because we, in our first episode, we told people about, like, where we went as an undergrad, if gotcha. we did a master's and stuff Start like that. Start from the beginning. Start from mm-hmm. the beginning. Not when you was born, but, like, after high school. It was a cold day on <laughs> September 1992. Oh, okay. <laughs> Remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> okay, cool. So story time, right? So... Sure. Um, so I basically um, am from Alabama. If you can hear the country twinge in my voice, you know. Um, thank you. You know, Southern folks representing. I feel attacked. It's cool. You You're outnumbered today. All right? all right. So, yeah. So I'm from Alabama, born and raised in a, a town called Opelika, Alabama. Um, went to um, Beulah High School, which is extremely country. <laughs> we rode the class on tractors. You got a name named Beulah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I graduated from there, and I went to the University of South Alabama um, in Mobile, Alabama. Um, go Jag, South in your mouth, Paul's in your drawers, all that good stuff. <laughs> Whoa. That's, that, that was our, that's how we, that's how we celebrated football games. Okay. <laughs> that was, like, unofficial, so I'm pretty sure somebody going to say something when I leave. Somebody get a, I'm going to get a text like, yo, what you doing? <laughs> but we <laughs> said our business out like that. So yeah, so I went to University of South Alabama. Um, I majored in political science with a minor in African American studies. Um, had a dope time in in college, right? I mean, joined a fraternity. Shout out to um, you know, Ice Cold Brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Um, so yeah, I did that. Did a lot of different programs. I was an RA, so very much involved on campus, um, and just. I had no direction at, you know, senior, junior, you know, sophomore year, basically the whole time, right? So trying to figure out what's next for me after I graduate. And so I did a um, summer program called Summer Research Opportunities Program um, at a university. And I really found out what grad school was. Like, I had no idea, you know, what it took to get a master's, you know, what a PhD was, because no one in my family 
had made it to that point in their education. So my mom went to, you know, Alabama State, HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew about the college process, but nothing beyond those four years for a bachelor. So I did the summer program. I learned about research, learned about all these things that goes into becoming a, um, a graduate student, going into becoming an academic scholar. And I thought it was the right move for me. Um, I had no idea what I was going to do if I didn't do that because I didn't have any jobs lined up yeah. and you know I like school so I was like why get a full time job when I can just go to school for free yeah we understand yeah so. uh, that's usually the struggle with a lot of people when it comes to grad school it's either you come from a family where almost everybody got a master's or a doctorate degree or you come from somewhere where you're either going to be the first person in your family to have it it's kind of no in between which is, you know, kind of weird. But, yeah, but especially in, like, black families, like, now we usually all the first-gen people going into, mm-hmm. like, uh, graduate programs. So we understand that. Yeah. yeah, we might not be the first one to graduate from college, but definitely grad school. It yeah. took so long to kind of explain that to my family because it was like, you already got your four years. Like, what, what you going back you for? Like, yeah. oh, I'm going back to school. I'm going to graduate. You already graduated. Why are you going to graduate school? When you going to finish? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got that phone call earlier today. I was like, I got one more year left. Okay. They like, you sure? Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what you said. Last year. Right now, these papers. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you just said that. You got your bachelor's degree, right? Yes. So how did you end up here at this PWI? At this PWI? You said it right. This is just, just stressful. <laughs> just, got your goddamn business. Hell, where am I? <laughs> it's, it's, this place is fucking limbo. I will be honest. It is. Like, if this was a circle of hell, this would be like the very first one. Like, you don't even get to go to full hell. You just there. Straight into it. You don't even get a sign in. You're no registration. You're going straight to, going straight to this PWI. <laughs> Jesus. It's crazy. All right. So, yeah. So, um... Honestly, I came here because of the summer program that I did as a sophomore. So, um, my, I guess my whole experience in grad school and kind of like um, just in undergrad too was kind of like a lot by chance, mm-hmm. not really knowing what's next, but kind of just following this these breadcrumbs that a lot of professors and a lot of mentors were throwing at me. Yeah. Um, right. So I went to, I actually had my African-American studies professor. Um, he was, um, after teaching the class, he told me about this program. Um, that's really good for um, especially students of color um, who are interested in grad school but not really sure what that meant. Um, He did a similar program when he was um, getting his Ph.D. at Indiana University. Mm -hmm. And so he's letting me know about it was a Big Ten sanctioned thing. You know, I should think about it. So, you know, I didn't want to do it at first. Like, man, I'm going to be doing other things during the summer. Mm -hmm. Like, I got other responsibilities. I'm basically going. job. (laughs) Exactly, right? Like, you know, I got to make money. I'm already, you know in debt because of this school thing so i went ahead and just tried out like i wrote an essay i wrote an application um got in um i spent eight weeks just doing intensive research um when i was a sophomore um at the university that that i'm currently well where i was affiliated with um and then i did the same program but at another university another big team university um the following year and so when you do those programs you get free um, application to apply to grad school. Mm -hmm. And because I knew so many people had a lot of different resources and um, connections at the school, I just applied here and, you know, I got in. And it was cool that it, you know, I didn't have to have GRE. 
Yeah, that's actually um, so my the master program that I went to it didn't require a GRE. So that was like the only way that I I was able to go straight from undergrad to a master's program. That was like mm-hmm. a bridge to see if you what you really want to do. Do you want to exactly. pursue research? So just like a two year thing to see if that's kind of what you want to do. But I guess it depends on where you are, whether or not they welcome you and make you feel like you can do something and whether or not you really want to pursue it or you'd be like, fuck this shit. (laughs) I I wasn't going to do a GRE. I was not going to do it. I took the ACT already. If y'all got me doing another test, I'm done. The GRE was the devil and I took that shit twice. I took that GRE about three or four times. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even feeling it like that. And now they're sitting up there talking about uh, they canceling um, some schools not even requiring it no more. Because they like, oh, well, this is not uh, actually indicative of, of whether or not someone will succeed in grad school. Well, duh. And we've like, we we been trying to that. tell you that shit is just for, like for white people, people that like they can they can afford to test prep. But it's you prep, wild. you peep that is mainly them Ivy League schools that's trying to get away with the GR, like trying to do away with it because mm-hmm. they ain't got that many black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we know what's up. Ain't nobody trying to go exactly. to old ass schools. I had a professor in grad school that was telling me like he wrote um, questions for the GRE, mm-hmm. and he said like he didn't put any stock into them. Like they gave him money, like yo, here's <laughs> some, like here's a couple hundred. You know, write a few questions, and he did it. Didn't take the time to think about a lot of the things. Just wrote hard ass questions. So you know that writing sample, like mm-hmm. where you like get the two prompts. So one of my prompt was, "It is better to sacrifice one's own beliefs than to adhere to them." Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Philosophy start... question is that? Who did that? Well, I started talking about religion and um, terrorism and stuff like that, and that's probably why I didn't get such a high score. <laughs> <laughs> she too woke. <laughs> she too woke. They don't want you to be free, Sam. They don't want you to think like that. I was like, she didn't take that shit to CNN. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, I only, that's the first thing I could think about. Hey, it'd be like that, though. No, that's so right. I guess now you were at the university to mind your goddamn business, and mm-hmm. you got a master's. And how did you feel during the master's process? Like, when you were doing it, did you feel like it was something that you could handle? You felt like it, you were going to have a future now that you got a master's? Yeah, so it was really wild. So, like, I came in for a joint Ph.D. master's program, right? That was the understood agreement. Like, I was here, um, pick up my master's along the way for the Ph.D. So, um do y'all talk about the research that y'all do or y'all talk about like yeah. the program you're in? So yeah. I was in education, okay? So it's a little bit different than political science, but I found my passion through a lot of education while I was in undergrad. Um, when I first went into South Alabama, my major was biomedical sciences. Mm-hmm. I realized quick that that is not for me. That is not my <laughs> ministry. I, man, I was taking introductory level classes, making C's, struggling, struggling. <laughs> See, that's that trope we was just talking about. All the black students be going to school to be doctors. <laughs> Man, like, I didn't know anything else. My mom, you're going to be a doctor when that, <laughs> my dad, you're going to be a doctor. Well, I hate Lawyer. math and science. That don't matter. That don't matter. You're going to be a doctor. Like, okay, sure, all right. I, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want my doctors to be having C's in biology and chemistry. Yeah, you know. Man, please, you'd be shocked to have that's a, a doctor's C's and B's in chemistry and biology. <laughs> Open heart surgery. It's okay. I made a D. <laughs> In organic chemistry, it doesn't matter. Though. A lot like, of come them on. out there living, getting big checks. 
Exactly, like killing the game right now. Like a poor transcript. Making C's and <laughs> what people say, C's get degrees. Not if you're performing open heart surgery. <laughs> no, nah, people like, say D's get degrees. See, mm-mm. who say that? Who's as that? far as I know, you're going to get like two of them on your entire career to get your degree. Huh. You can't fail that many classes. Yeah. That means you got a D. Get your dumb ass out this school. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> Trash ass. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So like, I found education through a lot of my things because um, once I realized I didn't want to be a doctor, or I couldn't be a doctor, or I didn't, you know, <laughs> want to work that hard it's to cool. be a doctor. There you go. I had to think about other avenues because I knew I was good in school. I just had to find my own, you know, little thing that I was good at. And so I picked political science because I thought I was wanting to be a lawyer for a month. So I declared that. <laughs> And so, um, and then just having conversation with a lot of my mentors, like I was really big in, um, you know, student affairs. I already joined a fraternity. I was in a few organizations. I was an RA. So it just made sense that student affairs would fit me. And Mm -hmm. that's what I went into um, when I went to those different summer programs. And that's when I decided, yo, this is what's for me. And so that's the degree that I went into, the program I went into for my um, joint master's PhD degree. Okay. So, yeah, what was the question, though? I think I explained <laughs> the backstory, but not I necessarily think, the question. No, I mean, like, you know, when you get your degree, you be feeling like, oh, my God, the world has opened up for me. Mm-hmm. I am now amazing. I can do what I need to do. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to get the job. And I'm going to just live my best life. And you, did you have that feeling when you got your yeah. master's? So when I got my master's, I think I'm one of the first I'm the first person in my family to get a master's, to get a um advanced degree. Congratulations. Thank yep. you, thank you, thank you. So, um that was surreal. Like I think only maybe five or six of my cousins have gotten their um bachelors and a few of my aunts and uncles, but to do all those things and then keep going and to actually get my masters, like that feeling was amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a sense of accomplishment. Like I did the I did these two years I had a plan, I worked hard, and I executed, and I, you know, got the degree, got the piece of paper. Um, so I was on, I didn't do no work for like three months. Like, I had a job, I had assignments to do, but I was on my own personal hiatus. <laughs> so I was just so happy, but, you know, but that kind of changed when I was expected to go back into the PhD program. Mm. So I'm wondering when you were in your master's, um, so you say you did like a, it was a joint master's PhD. So the mm-hmm. assumption was for you to be master's and then you do PhD. Right. Do you think the process of your master's made you want to continue for a PhD or did it make you be like, uh, I don't know about this? Because you are in a different department from us where mm-hmm. like, because like I took classes in your department and I swear to God, I have never been in a classroom with that many black people since high school. Yeah, it was lit. It was, it was a situation. <laughs> it was Just like... Seeing. The the feeling of watching the Wiz, like when all the <laughs> black people are dancing at the end, like just singing <laughs> education backflip. My current mood whenever I walk through y'all park because we sat over there. It'd be like one black person mm. per building. That was the I was so blessed to have that experience because it's so great, especially coming from a PWI where everyone knew the black professors, to go to um, a a, a program, a grad program, and just choose all your professors and faculty members are mostly black. I know. I be seeing them out in, like, grocery store. She'd be like, uh, Dr., she she just yeah I I don't know but yeah I'm not gonna <laughs> say her name I know her name but we gotta keep this like you know we, we keep low, this shit anonymous low, low. 
But she's just like, hey, Sam, how you doing? You know, if you need a letter of recommendation, just let me know. How's good and coming from graduation? I was like, I don't have this shit. Like, if I see any of my professors out, they be acting like they don't know me. That's yeah, like, I don't know. Seventy five <laughs> of the classes I took were taught by black women. Mm. Oh. oh, it was phenomenal. We Man. have one in like six departments. Black women to gods. Even we are awesome, places. right? <laughs> Even in shitty places. <laughs> yeah. So like once I once I got the degree, it was like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to have this moment of realization like, yo, you got this you got this degree, you accomplished something. Mm-hmm. And then to go back to the writing and things, it was just for me it was kinda hard to to go back because I felt like I've accomplished this thing. I finished school mm-hmm. and I just couldn't make myself go back to the writing, going back to mm-hmm. a lot of things that I was doing before I got my um secure my master's bag. You oh, feel yeah. me? I see what you experienced. Uh it's like that. You ain't feel like you really had a break. Like, you know, like, when a semester or graduation in, you at least got the summer, you mm-hmm. know? And you exactly. probably ain't feel that way after Like, you got Mike, it. did you take a break between your master's and PhD? Nope, and that's probably why I came in here angry, okay. annoyed, and tired of all of these people. Yeah, because I took a break, but it wasn't a break that I, uh, wasn't voluntary. It's because I didn't get into any programs. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had a year off that I was like, so, no, yeah. I went straight in, and then by the time, by my first semester, I was like, I'm out. I'm stressed. I'm angry. Leave me alone. So, that, I get it. Though, that's also a part of this Lawrence Umbridge shit, too. Oh, that piece of shit. Yeah. That, mm, yeah. And I think there's a moment of, like, clarity or a moment of questioning once you get your master's. Like, are you willing to go back? Like, I, mm-hmm. And I was like, I graduated with my master's in two years. And I spent a year in the PhD program. So it was like, it wasn't like I quit cold turkey, but it was like I was going through the motions a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I guess a little bit more of the backstory, um, when I came here, like I was just like this young, you know, straight out the undergrad bubble, right? Like you said, I, you was born in 92. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. 92. Young so I like, I graduated in 20, you know, 15, and then like the summer. I spent at the summer program where I was just getting connected to campus, yeah. and then I'm thrown right back in. Yeah. And so, um, and I realized I had a lot to do. I know the differences between production when you're a grad student versus an undergrad student, I knew I had to learn. Uh-huh. Um, it was a steep learning curve, but at the same time, I also got heavy, heavy, heavy involved into activism. Yeah, because that's strike. <laughs> Man, I've been part of so many strikes and walkouts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Man. Like, it was because it was insane because when I came in here, like, I knew I wanted to work hard. I wanted to get this degree. But I had other people like, hey, man, do you want to flip a cop car? <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, I want to flip a cop car. And, like, that's how my activism was born. I mean, and that's it's good, though, that you had, like, those niches and you found, it's kind of like you found yourself. And I from talking to you, I can tell that, like, in finding yourself, you kind of became disenfranchised to certain things. Mm. And that might have played a role in a lot of stuff. So, I mean, like, I get it. I'm cool with it. So, let's hit on some tough questions. I hope you're ready. Let's go. <laughs> All right. How do you feel now that you, like, have just realized, like, I'm out. I don't need this shit. Because it's a lot of people that are going through Ph.D. programs and their jobs or whatever their goals are might not even require them to need a PhD or they kind of just feel like, well, I've started it, I got to finish it. Right. What do you tell those people? I think a lot of it is 
doing the research, right? So, like, I can tell you that, you know, for me, I wish I can tell you, like, it was like a realization, a bright light, like, leave your program. Mm -hmm. For me, it was a lot more gradual. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just like a, a little a little sound in my head, right? Like, when I'm writing these papers, when I'm doing all these expectations uh, that goes with the being a grad student, right? It's not just writing papers because you're not getting paid to write papers. Nope. You get you have to be, you know, I was serving as a TA, I was an RA, mentoring, you know, doing all these things before I could even write. So it was like, this is a lot of expectations that I was unaware of. I was unaware of the paycheck. Like, I thought, you know, I'm being, you know, nah. getting paid to learn. <laughs> nah, like, we in that's a big salary. Hell no. Nah. nah, we poverty, poverty. So I had to really just come to terms with this isn't something that you want to do. And I had to sit with that for a little while. Like, for that whole year, I was just contemplating, um, looking at other options, um, listening to people who left their program who were in similar positions or similar mm -hmm. departments uh -huh. like knowing my field like i got a master's i can easily go into student affairs mm -hmm. which is something that kind of started my passion for graduate school or i can continue to do the research and do the things that you know i was growing to love yeah. but it wasn't all the way there yet yeah because you wonder if i mean what would you have done if you did finish your phd like what would have been your career path um academia also, like, be a professor. Yeah, because for education, I mean, you can get your PhD, become a researcher, but there's not really a lot of detachment away from, like, you know, either you're at a university being a faculty member or you're at the university being a staff member working with students. Yeah. Okay, because I know I had an um, elementary school teacher who was a, she had a PhD, mm -hmm. Dr. Brown. So I was like, because, like, right now you do work with, like, a school in Chicago. Yes. Um. So, yeah, so I got my master's I, when I went to start working at a um, a particular high school in Chicago. Um, it's a school called Mind Your Business. <laughs> so, yeah, so now I work there and working with students who are um, seniors about to go into um, college. Okay. And I was just, I was, so what I was wondering is, could you have still done that with your PhD? Yes. So I could have um, probably, so I would have been probably in a little bit higher position uh -huh. um, because of all the, the backgrounds that I would have had. But it just seemed like for what I wanted to do, which was work with students, right. that was the, there was no need to keep going unless I just, you know, enjoyed right. the, the research, which was, you know. So that's, that's what I wanted to get at was like. If your job, if the job that you want to do does not require a PhD, like if a master's is fine, just leave with your master's, do your master's. Like if you don't need a PhD to actually get the job and it's, I guess, painstaking and you're just sick and tired of all the processes that you have to do to get your PhD, a uh, master's is perfectly okay. Agree. Yeah. And side note, side note to that. Um, <laughs> don't be allowing these folks to tell you to skip a master's to go get a nah, PhD. Fuck that shit. I will swing on the next person that come at a young black person and tell them not to get a master's to go straight into a PhD program. No, they're setting you up, especially if they want you to go to a PWI. Um, half of the people that come into those programs end up struggling really hard their first year. And it's not because they are ill-prepared. It's because they're getting placed with advisors who expect them to be on PhD level when they are just getting out of an undergrad. There you go. Because, I mean, there's shit, There's white people that should have did a fucking master's before they did a PhD. They need to be getting a master's. That, 
<laughs> but they get that benefit of the doubt. They get that where they get to see where people see their potential. So if they mess up, they're fine. Like they're like, oh well, it's a mistake. You're learning. But if we black people, we mess up, they ain't gonna be like they be like, well, you should have known that because you were in a PhD program. They're like, what the fuck? How the fuck I wasn't supposed to? Know? Especially if Timmy don't know that shit. <laughs> like. Say- but I gotta know that shit. Say Timmy's like the gold thing. That nigga don't know. Like I don't know what Timmy. Don't, <laughs> Timmy don't know shit. <laughs> that's it, and that's how it be though. So I'm Timmy just... got grandparents who went to grad school. They got aunts, uncles, so many different people that can explain this shit to them. And that's it. And we don't come from that. So if anybody ever try to psych you out of that, you look at them and say, "I'm good, love, enjoy." Honestly, the only reason <laughs> to try to go straight to a PhD is if you trying to apply for the NSFGRFP, but. You know who get those things, so you know what? Just get a master's and get your uh, get that head start that you definitely ain't gonna need. All right. Because I was, I mean, I was very similar, right? So when I came in, not knowing what grad school was, mm-hmm. I could have easily been persuaded, like, yo, you know, just going straight into your PhD. But there's so many, there's so much growth that happens in a PhD journey where your challenge and your, you know, your your change of view is, like, uh, your, you know, the way you see things change sometimes. So. I came in with this idea that yes, um, and that's another thing, right? Like having a having a clear objective of why you're in grad school or why you're getting your PhD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't think I really thought about that until you know year three of the program once I got my master's. Right, because you mm-hmm. did say that the only reason you kind of went to grad school because you was like I graduate, I don't know that's what like, I want to do. I ain't got a job. <laughs> it was literally a state of limbo, like, <laughs> like yeah, I'll do it. Let me just continue. You know how we talked about in episode one, grad school or whatever. Like, make sure when you go to grad school that you have a reason to go. Like, mm-hmm. you're not just going because you think that that is the next step that you're supposed to do. Take a year off, work, um, try to figure out what you want to do, or do a master's. That's two years, so you can actually determine if that's actually the path you want to take. Because this five, six year journey of a PhD is. It's a intense. Lot. It's yeah. intense. It's a and challenge. if you do, I don't care if you get an actual, like a job, job, career, or if you, you work at a McDonald's. And you sitting in your mama couch for, like, I don't, mm-mm. like, do what you need to do for a good year just to kind of think about what you're doing. Um, Kadeen, so I got a, another question for you. Um, do you think that, so we're both Southern, we're both from down South, and do you think that you being away from home coming up to, like, the North... Where it's cold, because you know it's December, it's fucking freezing outside. Frozen, man. Not even that it's the weather, it's just the environment. These do you think that might have swayed you to kind of be like, I don't even want to deal with this right These now? These white people. I don't want to be here. Mm. So I think in terms of that, like growing up in like deep south, like you're from Georgia, I'm from Alabama, like mm-hmm. you you get used to or you understand how to operate around whiteness because it's kind of like it's the south, right? Like it's it's really there and you can find like pockets like I did. Like I grew up in a very rural, very, very public white school. Yeah. And so like knowing how to do those code switches that um you all talked about in the earlier mm. podcast cuz I am a fan <laughs> um you know I'll be listening you, appreciate you. so like those code switching it was something that I learned early on um and so when I went to South Alabama I found those pockets of blackness where I, I could express myself I could be myself um and then when I moved up here like I had to refine that over again but the mm-hmm. good thing is I had a pocket in my department. 
So I had black people, brown people, sharing ideas, just people of color, vibing, bonding, researching. So I got that aspect of it. Yeah. But I was also at a very white, very liberal, mm. well, dis- well-meaning or attempting to be well-meaning under this guise of, you know, mm-hmm. um, diversity where it's like I'm here, but I'm not I don't really feel seen. Yeah, that's damn. That's a perfect way to explain. It. <laughs> that's how it was. Like, so when I started getting into activism, it was like, this is my voice. Like, mm-hmm. I want to fight what I'm seeing. And, you know. Grad school was always there, but even when I first got in here, um, it was more so the activism that kind of drove me and not writing about the things that I was experiencing. Mm. Damn, it's deep. All right. So I kind of had a question when you, I guess you were talking about, like, it was a gradual transition for you to, like, decide that you left, wanted to leave. Was there any, like... do you think there was like a major turning point or maybe like what was the so you said the gradual transition of things in the back of your head like what was some of those voices or like that was saying like that made you realize you know this is just not for me yeah the people need to know because they might be hearing this yeah so if they hearing these things be like let me let me take note of that make sure so when did it become like really clear yeah Mm -hmm. I think I reached a moment of burnout I think that was the initial um, thing that I was doing because I was doing so much. I was mentoring. I was working. I was trying to write. I was, you know, being an activist, traveling different places, connecting with people. And there was a point where, you know, I wasn't sleeping. There was a point when I was doing so many different things and I had all these responsibilities, all these obligations. Mm -hmm. It was like, where do I go and how do I get back to kind of what made me happy? If that makes sense, because I was going through doing what everybody else wanted me to do. And I had this thing in the back of my mind. I have to do my Ph.D. not only for self, but for family, you know, for the culture, for all these different things. Yeah, you put the weight of the world on your shoulders. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, I understood that and I accepted that and I wanted to do that. But there was just a point where it was just, dang, like I'm doing all these things for other people. And I just got my master's. I'm content with where I'm at, but... Why do I continue to kind of to do these things that aren't really making me happy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was the initial kind of starting point of kind of questioning not only, you know, myself at the university, but where do I go from here to find, you know, that, the things that make me happy, right? Live my best life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that moment crushed me. It crippled me a lot because I was very much um, just growing up the person who had a plan for everything like this is how I was gonna go and not leaving myself room to think about it like applying to one undergrad program applying to one grad program like I'm gonna finish it or you know there's no or there's no other questions so that really took me a while to kind of go through that process that like I banked on everything that a PhD would be. I banked on that. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And for the first time in my life, I started to question my decisions, question, you know, where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of prompted me to do a lot of kind of soul searching while I was trying to write, while I was doing these things. And I felt like I couldn't, I wasn't getting that 
I don't want to say I wasn't getting that feeling of writing that that makes me feel whole. Like I wasn't processing it how I felt, and the writing wasn't really helping me. Yeah. As I was making those decisions. I the, understand. It's like what we talked about on the creative writing episode. When you don't feel like it's yours, and you feel like it's everybody around you's input going into your paper, but your own, you kind of just you feel like, why am I still doing this? Mm-hmm. So I get it, and I, and trust me, I've gone through a burnout or two of silly shit like writing a grant that I wasn't even supposed to be writing and didn't know I wasn't supposed to be writing it stuff like that so so much like because then like the writing was thing was a thing but also like you know the pay like you know I can't eat sometimes like geez I'm over here contemplating you know where my place in here I can't eat um, funding's getting real limited. I was stressed. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a whole... I had locks during this time. Right? I had locks for two years while I was in grad school. I started them because of grad school. And I noticed, like, when I was healthy, like, when I was doing my program... Yeah, it was just growing. It, it was growing <laughs> vibrant, you know. Mm-hmm. All these things. Cthone could do everything. But then... <laughs> As the more I got stressed, my shit started falling out. Like, what is oh, going on? Man. My shit just, grad school just weakened my whole lock game. Mm. <laughs> Not the lock game. But, yeah, it, and it's known to do stuff like that. So just that just catches you off guard. I mean, I guess I got one more question for you. And that would be, like, now that you've, I don't know, you moved on up. Finally got a piece of the pie, man. Like, how are you feeling now? Like, do you feel that from where you're going, do you think you'll ever want to go back to grad school? Or do you feel like you've completely found your niche and where you are? So I want to start by saying, like, I, st- I miss grad school. Like, it's not something that's not a part. Because grad school, for me, is like, signified, like, the the need to learn, right? I still mm-hmm. have that inquisitive to I still have that inquisitive mind, right? I always want to know the answer to things that I'm thinking about. And... Now it's on my own time. It's on my own terms. But I started to realize, you know, when you're in the world, right, when you have a job, it's different than grad school, right? You have someone who work, who you work for. You have someone that you have to report for even more than um, a paper or anything like that. You got to clock in, clock yeah, out. Here, exactly, <laughs> clock in, clock out. What are you doing for those nine to five? You know, what, what what's your production? And I think that was something that I didn't realize until leaving grad school, like things that I miss, like having to be able to set up your own time for work, mm-hmm. being able to do these things, um, write what you, for the most part, write about what you want to write about. Oh, yeah. Um, and just having that sense of freedom in your creative, your creativity. Um, but at the time when I was in grad school, I don't think it was hard for me to, um, process that it was hard for me to plan out my day like listen to your a lot of you all podcasts like knowing how to negotiate knowing how to do all these things with professors and I just really feel like the the university took a lot out of me and I wasn't really able to self-advocate for myself and I think that's when I became like disillusioned with the entire process and that's the whole point of all of this is to make sure that people learn those skills because they don't teach you this they don't teach you any of this stuff. You got to learn it on your own. And so one thing what you're saying, the idea that comes up to me is that most of your like advisor or your professors were not white and you mm-hmm. still had these issues That's yep. with them. So like, you know, me, me and Maya's advisors, we deal primarily with white people and we talk about all this shit and you might think, oh, that's only a problem that you might have. 
But, I mean, it's just academia in general and the way that the structure is set up that it's sometimes hard to advocate for yourself and or and especially if you don't know how to do it in a way that won't, like, get you kicked out of your way. Exactly. <laughs> Boy, y'all don't understand. It, I've, <laughs> I've learned how to control my temper so oh. well through grad school. And people think I don't know how to control my temper, but I tell them, like, you just don't know. Because if you don't, like, if you don't advocate for yourself and if you're not just an asshole for your own academic purposes, someone else will just continue to use your work, right? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you helping somebody else get their PhD, you helping somebody else in their project. Meanwhile, you know, you, you haven't made through a lot of your own prerequisites to advance. And what's mm-hmm. the problem is when you are an asshole for yourself, people look at you like, who the fuck you think you are? Like, mm-hmm. you're supposed to share. You're supposed to do this. So why do you think you're supposed to deserve this shit? Like, I don't think I deserve this shit. I earned that shit. Man, I be putting them positions, but I just be dipping. Like, I'm a ghost. I be like, I was at work today, but I'm not mm-hmm. now. So you figure that out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I know when we, like, started this podcast, we would, like, we was kind of giggly. And we we went into a a serious mood, mm-hmm. but let's uh go back to some uh some fun. So with your PhD research, what were you studying? What was your research? Oh yeah, so um <laughs> my research, I love the work that I was doing. Right, mm-hmm. so I was working with um, higher education programs in prison, oh, so wow. um college programs in prison, like how to um, educate um, incarcerated people as well as how to maintain how do you use education as a um, recidivism tool or a tool for I mean formerly incarcerated people to um, advance right how do you use how do you use tool as a key Mm -hmm. that we always talk about education as a as a key to unlock something Mm -hmm. how do how do um, incarcerated people and and formerly incarcerated people how do they kind of like use education for their own benefits to you know further their you know help them live their best life so that was your master's or your PhD um, that was just my entire research. So I did my master's. Um, now. Yeah. So something. So something else. Like I didn't do a thesis. Uh huh. I did. Um, I just have a med. Okay. So um, I didn't have to necessarily do a um a thesis, but a lot of my writings and a lot of the things I was producing um involved as that as well as my activism. I thought wow. you're doing your PhD stuff with comedy. So that was last. So that was the, in that last year right. when I was combining my passion. Pitch. Okay. Yeah. So that's another thing. So um, yeah, I was gonna mention this. Yeah, because so. I was like, um, when I said we was gonna go light, and then you started talking about prison. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, wait. Tape. I was. I was like, maybe I'm confusing you with. All right. Yeah. Because I. I guess more like your last. Because you were last year. You were in your PhD. And I thought you were like trying to do like you you I guess you were switching your 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 research focus to comedy. Right. So that was when I was trying to make it work. Essentially, like how okay. can I? Cause I discovered comedy during that burnout period when mm-hmm. I was like forget everything. Like I I stop like doing a lot of my activism. I start doing I stopped doing a lot of my writing. Stopped doing the grad school thing, mm-hmm. and just to figure out what's next. And then that's how I got into comedy. Um, Doing stand up, um, that's how Kadeem Hall Kool Aid was born. Mm-hmm. All these different um, elements of just trying to refine or trying to find myself after this, you know, breakdown of you know what's what's next for me. 
That's what's up. It's amazing what you come up with with a burnout. This podcast was pretty much created off of burnout. <laughs> I mean, look at the title. <laughs> Self-care, everybody. We like bitch. We found our own. <laughs> but something else, too, something else that I want to, especially the people who are listening, who are thinking about, like, you know, really considering, like, what's next or if grad school is or a PhD is something you want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Having a plan. Like I said, I just didn't say, I want to do comedy. Get yeah. out of here, grad school, and just jump out a window. No, I didn't do that. Um, I spent that year where I was in that process, spent at least seven, eight months looking at job markets, looking at what can I do with my um, with my master's? How can I be happy um, doing the thing that, you know, education brings me some joy. But, you know, make no mistake, like, I left mainly to pursue my own creative dreams in mm. comedy. That's mm. what's But you didn't be like, okay... Wake up one day, be like, "Fuck this shit, I quit." Oh shit, I ain't got a job. Right. I don't know what I'm going to like. Nah, you 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 plan that shit out. Exactly. To the to when I was leaving, what type of opportunities I would have. Um, making sure, also making sure that I still kept those connections with the, a lot of the faculty and staff at the university that I was um, a part of. Yeah. So not trying to burn any bridges just in case, right? Like Yeah, because you, know. you still got your former advisor still uh, on Facebook talking yeah. about you coming back. That's right. Well, we coming <laughs> like, yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It be like that, though, and that's a good thing to always remember. Don't burn bridges unless, like. You absolutely have to. Unless you have to, because, I mean. I've come to terms that I'm going to at least burn one bridge before I walk out of here. Mm. I'm Biggest matches. Like, yeah, because yeah, I, I, so I had a lot of meeting like, a couple um, weeks ago where my advisor was talking about, um, so he, be, usually before we actually start lab meeting, he might, like, have something to say. So he was just saying how he's reviewing this tenure package for this person, and he's like, you never know who is the, uh, who's going to, like, give you comments or whatnot because they ask for, like, outside opinions on whether or not you should get tenure and he's like so you shouldn't like burn bridges because you never know what's going to happen in the future and i'm sitting up here like nah i'm not just going to be nice to people because of what they might like Mm -hmm. i will burn a damn bridge if i need to burn that damn bridge i don't care how it might impact me but i'm not just going to be nice like dolores umbridge fuck that (laughs) (laughs) i'm burning that bridge got some fuck dolores when i graduate oh (laughs) i mean i'm you know I defended my dissertation. Congrats, Ooh, by the way. Congrats, she, uh, congrats. Once she, uh, she signed that form, that bridge is burnt. You know, Dolores, like, I got something to tell you. Hold on. <laughs> Let me just go ahead. <laughs> Not even going to wait for the ink to dry. Come like, here. when she can't even, Get like, when, 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 she, when she can't affect me graduating, walking across that stage in May. Yeah. I mm. mean, and that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you try your hardest to, to always stay polite. Be nice. Be nice, professional. Never take stuff personal. But shit. But you always <laughs> meet one person that will always get you there. And, I mean, it just be like that. Yeah. I mean, if they make it personal, shit, like, I'm like, you made that shit personal. It's wild, like, how academia is fed up, like, you know. You have to play a game that, you know, oh, it's game 30 of years you from play now. Chess. Like, it's Game of Thrones. Yeah, like 30 <laughs> years. I might need this person 30 years, so let me make sure I smile politely when they go through the door. Like, what is... But they can say whatever the fuck they want to say to you. Mm, because mm. you're, you're, you know, a grass you're essentially peon. have no power. I am Maya of House Black Stems, first of her name, <laughs> last of her kind. And I know where I stand. Like, look. The I mother didn't... of test tubes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but look, I get it. I get this shit is Game of Thrones. Like you be thinking that you got a small beef with somebody, and then by the time y'all settle the beef, they didn't told eight people y'all was beefing. Yep. So like, I'll just be like, okay, it's just. <laughs> Ain't nothing like an academic beef, boy. Nothing like it. Like have y'all like seen the debates and like papers? Where, like mean, you write a paper and then they write a paper and they use all these fancy source words to try to tell you. Everybody become ti. If you look at my last essay that I read about thermonuclear dynamics, like get out of here, bro. That's how it be. Just like, I'm like, I have a question, but it's not a question. It's a comment that like, da 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 da. Whatever. See, but that's when they be passive. I can't stand that's, that, mm. that passive aggressiveness. Cause it's like you don't like somebody, but then you had them be part of your crew, and it's like, <laughs> why you got? Why, no, like don't do that. You finna set yourself up to be angry every night, cause they ain't gonna do what they supposed to do. Exactly. I don't know. I see a lot of that in my department, and I'm sick of that in my department. And they know I'm sick of it, so they don't invite me to do stuff anymore. They just be like, girl, just go finish your research. I'm like, that's fine. Uh, That's definitely just a way of speaking in academia, where if you're not on game to it, you can burn bridges in there because people, you're not acting the way that a a graduate should be acting. A whole new Mm -hmm. language. And then don't let you get somebody who's petty petty because (laughs) they will get your research retracted like it ain't nothing. I have seen someone say, oh, that one citation in that one paper does not match what they're saying. I should email the editor. You know how many papers I've like... I have seen people... I'm telling you... from my experience as grad school has made me a stronger person and a more patient person. But at the same time, my desire to pursue anything outside of this is slowly dimming. As far as like being a professor, I would mm-hmm. have to go back to a predominantly black institution where right. I might have to deal with other issues, but I'm not dealing with the pettiness of just certain types of people. Like, not, no, like, just talk to me. Like, what you talking about? Oh, black people can be petty, but usually you can get them in a room and you be like, like let me tell y'all what y'all not finna do. Like, it's like, take one good time to get the whole group together. <laughs> that's it. Oh, not let her hug and that's how I go. <laughs> she on game. Wait a minute. <laughs> trying to think of what was the, uh, the episode uh, Insecure when she went to the all-black firm. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. That, was a whole, that whole storyline was, girl, <laughs> what you doing? They was like, maybe you need to go back to your old <laughs> law firm and see how they do things. So I was like, damn, all right. Because, like, we work together here. Because <laughs> Molly, it was a while. Like, she came in wild and like, y'all ain't got no fax machine? At my old firm, we had a fax like, Y'all don't got a courier? <laughs> but that be the dynamic. See, at grad school, like, I've, I've experienced that. At HBCU, they, uh, like, certain ones they having a hard time kind of keeping up with certain things. And it's mm-hmm. not because they don't want to. It's Shit, usually we ain't got the money for that. Not even that. It's usually because who's ever in charge, they just have a certain way of doing things. True. Mm-hmm. The department can have buku money. The college can have buku money. But if they used to still, you still faxing in stuff instead of just scanning it and sending an email, that's on now. Though that was, do that was when it was like, she was like, well, when we put this in storage, she was like, your office is the storage. <laughs> I've I've dealt with that shit I felt that on a spiritual level When she had to clean out her office Yeah Yeah. Me too girl I felt that Every program's not the same Okay Tell us about yourself What are you doing now 
with yeah. the comedy. Mm. Don't tell us about the children anymore. We already know that you're going out there to enlighten the future. Oh, and okay. Them I, on a path. I was, I was like, what's your the future. <laughs> and leave I will lead them on a path to destruction <laughs> up until grand school. <laughs> I'm raising a bunch of little people who will do well in undergrad and then Definitely. go to grad school. And change this fucking fuck shit up. <laughs> hey, they can come when I'm dean, but I'm like, I might, because they're going to be like, I do, because y'all know I want to go in academia, and I'm bringing in all the black people. They have to be so scared. Moses over here. They're going to be like, I'm going to be like, the part to see. Um, I was like, I'm. it's not my fault the white people ain't comfortable around me. Sam going to throw white people out of her office. Get out of here. I'm going to be on the other end of the party see like, go, girl, go. <laughs> you got it. Oh, we going to be collaborating with you. Yo, research, all that shit. That's cool. That's cool. I'm with it. You build I'm going to be sending people, sending people to you for internships over the summer. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool with it. All right, guys. All right. Back to me. Um, <laughs> what I am doing... <laughs> So, Damn, yeah, so, me just taking over. <laughs> basically, I'm basically in um Chicago <laughs> right now. Um, still figuring out stand up. Still trying to. Well, still going to open mics. Still trying to work through the craft. Trying to learn my craft on a even deeper level. Um, I'm also working on a web series. Just wrapped up the web series. Hey. Um, you know, it's it's heading. It's coming out, y'all. Listeners, please follow Kadeem's Hard Kool-Aid for more information. That's where you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, IG. I'm one half of Kadeem's Hard Kool-Aid. My partner, my husband, <laughs> is the other half. So, yeah, we, we really, we really, and we, our comedy is very much based off, you know, scholarship too, right? Not just cracking jokes, but being intentional with you know, having conversations, having scholarly debates on with our humor. So, all right, so it's coming soon. Yes, coming Don't worry, soon. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. We'll yeah. keep it posted, especially on our Instagram, because our Facebook is trash. We about to shut down that shit. You're about to shut down the Facebook. Why? What's she ain't on? doing what she. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm okay I'm with getting, that. And I'm getting, I'm getting like, I'm getting notifications like you haven't had any new visitors. So I was like, I don't care. Stop <laughs> sending me stuff. <laughs> we know that, but who, our Twitter who, is lit. Yeah, who runs the Twitter? Me. Yeah, that shit is lit. The Twitter is lit. I be looking like I don't get no action on the Facebook. I'm over it. Like, I'll just contribute mm-hmm. to the Twitter. I'm cool. Especially because you retweet people's stuff, and then they start following you. That's how you do it. That's how you play Twitter, you know. Facebook don't do that. Facebook be like, oh, she liked that. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. I be like, well, fuck it. I'm not doing this no more. Listen, so, like, when did y'all, like, I want to hear about y'all burnouts, right? So, I think every graduate student kind of experiences. So, what kept you grounded or what kept you um, focused on the the program or your degree? You want to go first? Yeah, I go first. So, uh, I I did my exit seminar a couple of weeks ago, and my fourth slide was what kept me in this PhD program. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maya was like, damn, I was in like four or five of those pictures. I was like, <laughs> yeah, you was. So I had a whole slide of my community, my fellow black people that I've had fun with out drinking and other shit. And just like, this is my community that kept me grounded and sane and made me not want to punch professors and bring my Detroit out on them. Mm. Um, <laughs> Detroit stomp, 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 and it's funny because like people in Detroit don't think like my family like I'm apparently the um, I'm the nice one. I'm the one. I'm the least ghetto one, mm. but I still got Detroit in me. Like compared to them, I'm soft. 
But compared to these white people here, they be scared. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, but um, you're like a street three, but an academic nine. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> <laughs> Did you just record like on Theft Auto or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, I ain't gonna hit you, but I will hit you with this email, like this clapback email. Um, so yeah, basically, what has kept me grounded is, I mean, so I haven't really had like any intense burnouts, um, because. I, not in my PhD program, not really in my master's. I had a burnout in my undergrad, mm-hmm. which caused me to take a break for a year. So I didn't, which caused me to transfer program. Like basically grades drop, end up, um, my mom sent me to, my mom sent me to another state to live with my cousin. Because I, Get out of here. <laughs> well, just to make sure, because I wanted to come back home. I wanted to go back to Detroit. She's like, nah, you ain't going to Detroit. You want to go live with your cousin. Because you're going to stay in school, do all that. Um, and then, so I basically, it took me five years to get my match, my bachelor's because I had that year of, like, where I was in limbo. And so, what school was it in, in undergrad? Uh, I started off at Western Michigan University. Okay. So I was there for two years, and then I ended up actually moving to Springfield, Illinois. Um, and I went to University of Illinois in Springfield for a semester. And then before I went to Detroit, I mean, before I went to Chicago and I finished my undergrad at Northeastern. Gotcha. But that whole year, even at like when I moved, that's that was like there. Was, so there was one semester that I wasn't in school entirely, and I just worked for like nine dollars an hour. It's like this shit is not for me. Um, mm-hmm. But that whole like burnout period that I had, like two months, and then you know <laughs> your mom be like, nah, you can't come back here. You got to go live with your cousin who got a degree. Blah blah blah. Because if you she knew like I guess she knew if I come back, went back to Detroit. I probably would have stayed in Detroit and not, like, did what I was supposed to do and, like, lived up to my full potential. Trust black women. They be known. Exactly. Mm -hmm. My mom is a godsend. Um, But so basically because of that, I try to make sure I never make myself burn out again Um, because I was, like, in school, working full-time, trying to go to school full-time, trying to send money back home to family, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn to take care of me. So that's why, like, my master's, my Ph.D., I, I'm on this strict nine to four schedule. Like, I only work during that time. When I go home, leave me the fuck alone. Um, though right now it really wasn't working out because I'm this class I'm TAing, so I'll be answering emails at like seven, eight o'clock at night. But it's because I just kind of feel some kind of responsibility for this class that right. I help design. But so that's out, in nor- out of the ordinary. But like on weekends, I don't do shit. Um, I just like try to hang out with friends or just stay at home in my apartment and not do nothing. Um, or I do outreach and stuff like that to make sure I have that sense of me doing something. But I always, like, I've learned to be more selfish so I can, like, fulfill my happiness quotient instead of everybody else's. That's what's Got up. Got you. No, that's real. That is, okay, I guess <laughs> I can go. Yep. <laughs> well, damn. Um, so... My PhD was the first time I think I've ever experienced a burnout, and I think I've had at least two intense ones. Like, uh, of course, that first year, in which I've already talked about, in which I had that crazy advisor, um, I didn't necessarily have a burnout with her. I just had a ridiculous amount of rage (laughs) dealing with her. Like, it was just to the point that I got so heated about things 
because I just I had never been talked to the ways that she was talking to people. Mm. I had never experienced the dynamic of having to deal with someone who talks to people like that. And then I'm new to the area. I'm mm-hmm. blackity black. Everybody is not blackity black. You mm. know, so I had to deal with that. And then I left that situation, found a new lab. And when I first started in there, I was good. I felt rejuvenated. I had purpose. I was writing. And I was writing. And I was writing. And it got to a point where all it seemed, all I seemed to be doing was writing. And there was no stop to it. And then take somebody who feels like every day they do a little bit of math, they do a little bit of mapping, and they do a lot of writing. And then you'd say, hey, we're going to go out for this grant. I said, cool. It was a NIH grant. All right, I want you to write it. Mm. Um, I had never written a grant before. You ain't supposed to write that shit neither. And I didn't know that. So <laughs> I've spent... I'm not supposed to write an NIH grant. I spent an entire year of my PhD focusing on a grant that I can't even get. Wow. And so why can't you get home? So why can't... Well, it wasn't that I couldn't get it. It was just like, I basically I basically got out of the mindset of a graduate student. I had to get in the mindset of building a project. Mm-hmm. And when you're in grad school, you are supposed to be building a project. Mm-hmm. But you are not supposed to be building a project to the level in which you feel like you can cross out people's name and put yourself as the PI. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if if they had got that grant... Maya's name wouldn't have been on there as the PO. So she would have wrote the It would have been my words, but it would have been someone else's name on there. She wouldn't have got credit for it. your production, like, it would have just been your work, but she would have just put her name on it. Right. So now, keep that in mind. I've spent about a year working on work that actually kept me from doing the actual work I need to do. On top of that, my department had no money for me. So I was going through the, oh, you need to put in this fellowship and this fine. The first uh, bit of money I got is because I applied for a project that I created and I got accepted into a talks program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did that. Like, I've I've gotten to the point where I feel like I don't even lean on my department as much. Now I have to because of certain circumstances, like my, my advisor passing away. But, like, at that point, I was pretty self-sufficient. I was doing what I needed to do. I was writing a grant I shouldn't have been writing. And then one of my grandmothers passed away. Oh, wow. So now I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I'm burning out. I ain't doing nothing. For a solid month, I had a manuscript to write and the grant to finish. I did absolutely nothing. I sat at home. I watched Netflix. I showed up to work enough so they would know that I was still present. Like, mm-hmm. that, and I made it look like I was doing work. Like, I just, for a good month, I just bummed out in the middle of grad school. Of course, I got to a point where I was like, okay, you got to do better because <laughs> you in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you have to give yourself a pep talk. That was my first grandmother. Um, she passed away. Not even a year after she passed away, my other grandmother passed away. Okay. So I lost, I lost both gra- grandmothers during this PhD program. So as you can see... You're already emotionally feeling tired because I'm nowhere near home. Er, in my mind, everybody back at home, 
being around each other, comforting each other. And I mean, I have my husband with me, he's still here, and we, we've we always taken care of each other as far as to make sure that we're okay. Because mm. we're both going, we're navigating through a PhD together. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Um, but it still can be stressful. Because if he experiences a burnout, and I'm experiencing a burnout. Hopefully not at the same time. It, hey, it's happening. <laughs> Damn. Dishes have not been clean. Laundry has been everywhere. And we both sitting there watching Netflix. Like, it's that's, just... Oh, that's so real. It, but it just be that way. And um, after the first burnout, I was like, I got to do better. I actually started doing really good. When my second grandmother passed away, then I kind of experienced another burnout. And that's when... I started actually like, okay, you need to get out the house more. You need to do more research. You need to make time for yourself. So I started doing more self-care stuff, making sure I had time outside of work and, you know, stuff. So I basically had to rebuild myself. Like, hey, make sure that you have a planner. Make sure that you have goals that you can set for yourself. Uh, and just give yourself baby steps. Mm-hmm. Like, make your big goal. Give yourself baby steps to get there your little milestones but also reward yourself like hey you like that purse buy it <laughs> cry about it tomorrow <laughs> buy that purse cry about it tomorrow do it but do buy it. that purse <laughs> treat yourself um go get your nails <laughs> done go get your hair done like treat yourself to small things occasionally one big thing but you know and that's been kind of working for me now um I, I'm kind of shocked in myself that I haven't, um, like, well, you guys know that my advisor passed away in September, and um, I'm kind of shocked in myself that I have not experienced a burnout uh, as of yet. Like, you never know. But, I think that's um, growth. Just... I think it is growth. If anything, it's like I feel like I have to finish and I have to get my research done because it's like this person took a chance on me and put yeah and it you know like I talked about it a while ago like I just feel like I need to finish this degree and just live a fulfilling life not a life that I feel would be controlled by whatever I now have a degree in but a life that I want just because I have doctor in front of my name does not necessarily mean that I have to live the PhD life that's real. And yes. that's what I'm learning. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that seems your last piece especially, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, at some point, you're going to have to decide on why you're getting the PhD. And you've already done that. Y'all both have. Mm-hmm. Like, this has to be more than just for the culture. Like, because at some nah, point. Not this shit for the culture. <laughs> no. It got to no, be for more than that. Nah, it's, oh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, of course, having, like, knowing, like, there's, there's been huge parts of our history as black people that these opportunities were not for us mm-hmm. and our ancestors had to fight for these things. Family members had to fight for these things. But at the same time, don't think you're doing a disservice to your family or a disservice to the culture if you're realizing what you're pursuing is not where you're finding happiness in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that y'all both, from what I'm hearing, y'all both had, like, someone you can lean on, whether the family was your mom or, you know, for... um. My it was Kadeem. And I think that was something that I had as well. Like, it was just someone who can process the information and let them and let you know what they're hearing. And I think my girlfriend Gwen was really big in that, like listening to me and not really allowing 
because I was in a very vulnerable place. So I was listening. Not only was I deciding on these things, I was looking to I was listening to advisors, mentors, mm-hmm. other students about whether I should leave or not. And so I was in a place where if she had said like, yo, you know, stay, it would have been like no questions asked like you're right. But she was really patient and just kind of repeating what I was saying and letting me know, like, hey, you know, this is your decision. Mm -hmm. And so she gave me that space to kind of make it without really, you know, putting interjecting her own thoughts or views on, you know, what I should do. Yeah. And that's how it should be. Big ups to Gwen. Yep. Love her. She's dope. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the takeaway from this entire episode is that we know that probably within that first semester of you being in grad school, you've probably realized that, hey, I can deal with this for the next four and a half years if need be, or something's not right, and I don't like where I'm at right now. And if you feel that way, it's okay for you to reevaluate yourself. It is. Like, don't ever feel like just because you started a Ph.D. program or a master's program that someone is going to be disappointed in you for not finishing it. It's like that thing about consent. You can say no at any time. You can be like, no, I'm not finishing this Ph.D. program. I don't want to do it no more. And at the end of the day, as long as you're not disappointed with yourself, yep, that's all that matters. I was just about to say that. Be comfortable in that, like, right? Because, like, there was moments where I felt like a complete failure. Like, oh, I did this grad program. I was supposed to get my PhD. Like, what would my parents think? What would all these people who are depend on using or seeing me as someone who, you know, values education and getting this, you know, advanced degree? Mm-hmm. And you just got to be like, at some point, you got to be like, at the end of the day, you can get your PhD and not be happy and die miserable. Like, mm-hmm. like just like there's been a bunch of PhDs. There's plenty of people who you know hate their who hates the profession, and then there's other people who you know didn't feel like they made the right decision about leaving. So yeah. for me, I was like, I don't want to be either or. I, I felt, and I also felt like I got everything I needed to get out of the university. Yeah. So I don't think I left like uh, with a bunch of regrets. I missed the some of the structure that goes along with a PhD, but I felt like you know I had I had I had closure in terms of you know I can close this section of my life. I think a lot of that was when I cut my hair. I cut <laughs> my locks. You did cut it like right at the like, same time. I cut it the next two days. Like yo, yeah, I start got to start moving things. Got to make <laughs> things shake. Got to make some shape. All right. <laughs> That's how I be though. Like again, I always say I have a distaste for academia, but. The purpose of a PhD for me is not so much to go into academia. It's to explore those pockets outside of academia. And although they're limited and very, very small, they're still there. Right. They just need more visibility. Mm -hmm. So you need people with PhDs to be willing to go and fight for those small areas outside of academia. So, yeah. Yeah, and, like, the main reason why I guess I'm pursuing my Ph.D. is because I did realize, like, I think I said that my original career was to be the doctor or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But then I realized, okay, I like research, and I like teaching. Well, what do I got to do so I can do both of them? Mm. Like, but it's not like, I was like, oh, okay, I can be a professor. But some people go to be a professor because they just think, like, that's the family profession 
or they think, oh, because you get a PhD, you go in academia. But I'm like, I truly, and I hate when people say like, oh, you know, not many people actually become professors or only like 2% of the whatever graduates are going to do it. Or they're like, well, you really need to focus on your research. Teaching is not the most important and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting up here like, they no. trash teachers. Right. <laughs> Can't but I'm like. hold a class. Because <laughs> it was, the struggle was real because the only reason I took, um, I took classes in your department was to get the graduate minor in teaching. Mm-hmm. But people be like, um, oh, you really should do a postdoc because I'm in the process of applying for postdocs and um, tenure track positions. They're like, a postdoc is a time where you could just focus on research. You don't have to teach. I'm like, but I love teaching. Like, I hate that there are so many professors that only want to do research. Okay. They hate teaching. Why, they why hate the here? Right. They hate the teaching aspect. They hate the mentoring aspect, the service committee aspects. And I'm like, well, why don't you just go on government or industry or just be a researcher? Like, what the, like, if you don't like teaching, why are you doing this? Mm. But it's because I'm like, I'm about to, shit, that's what I'm like. I don't know. I'm doing this for the culture. We're about to change the system. Yeah. This, these PWIs ain't going to be PWIs no that's more. That's the thing, bringing out all the color. And I, and all I the think color. That's real, especially. PWBI. <laughs> everybody. But I think that's because you you found your community. And your, I feel like that's why diversity and having people to be able not only to be in these spaces but to speak about their experiences is so huge because a big difference I feel like between a lot of white professors um, and black professors is there's a connection of ancestry. There's a, there's a lineage, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just can't, you know, get this for me. Like, if I'm doing this, I, gotta do it for I have to do it for everybody because there's people who are not getting those experiences who need better teachers, right? Right. And or they're not the getting side. those parents because, yeah, because they don't have those teachers. They exactly. don't have those. Like, there was one time where one of my lab mates was like, um, we were looking for, like, interns or, like, potential undergrads to come work in the lab. And he was like, oh, I'll be on the lookout for anyone that I think that have potential. And I was like, no. What you do is you stand in front of the classroom and tell everyone mm-hmm. that there is this opportunity. Because if you look for the ones with potential, you're going to pick the white people. That Always. little black person in the black room that's not saying anything because they don't need black person in the class, you will never approach her or him and say, hey, this is a good opportunity because they're not because you don't see the potential in them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that is implicit bias in the source. I was like, you need to. And they were like, well, then we might have everybody apply. I was like, well, then, yeah, you have everybody apply, have them send their CVs, give a little bit of research statement, and you base it off of that. You don't base it off Clearly. of who you think, who you think is have the most potential. I'm like, but I, I'm the one and we're like, oh, you think I'm racist? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Timmy get all the advantages. That's okay. all the Timmy. There you go. Going Timmy back get to Timmy. be a graduate student because somebody, hey, hey, little Timmy, hey, here you go. Here's this opportunity. I'm holding it from everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I go. I mean, I'm learning stuff and from my department, and I, I ain't got time for this. I just don't. <laughs> and they just be shocked to be like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe you did all this shit. And I was like, well, that's because somebody gave me a chance. Or I took that fucking chance. Like, when y'all told me not to do it, I did still did that shit. Exactly. The same way when I applied for my program. I applied for that summer program. Like, Mm -hmm. if he hadn't said anything to the entire class, I was like, I don't know what this is. Because he said it to the entire class. (laughs) Yeah, entire class. Because if he would have been, like, chose the people he thought was with potential... You probably, yeah. Would he have, like, probably walked up to you? Like, who has potential? Like, the professors are, you know, they they have their favorites. Or or they just have the people that looks 
they 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 share that's that whole thing like would fit in academia you want to find someone that's so-called fit someone that you can mm-hmm. go out to a bar with i hate or i hate the word, word fit. fit i did when i went to that next prof conference i was like when they kept using fit i brought it up i was like okay can somebody define fit because y'all keep saying fit you just don't seem like a good fit you gotta define that mm-hmm. shit, and I'm about to figure out what that shit is going. We gonna, I swear, if I hear that word in this search committee, I'm on. I'm be like, what's fit? Please exactly. define fit for me. But that's just stay dynamic. Like I wish my my ultimate because I was like, none of y'all fit for me. <laughs> my ultimate goal for this <laughs> entire podcast is that people who actually listen to it take some of our shit to heart. And that they start to just implement practices that would do away with some of these coded words. Call people mm-hmm. out on their shit. Call, like, <laughs> code, these coded words that are used. Fit. Like, just fit. Diversity. Diversity. <laughs> Look, all right. We can debunk this right now. Like, let's, talk, let's talk. As far as I'm concerned, the university campus that we are on is segregated. Definitely. Don't nobody want to call it what it is, but it's segregated. But they get mad at us because they, I swear, I know people were salty about all my pictures. Okay, because they probably was like, or they're like, she just showed a picture of her and a whole bunch of black people. Oh, she just segregated. That's like, y'all don't include me into shit. So, what the fuck? I got to find my own people. It's not even that. They were getting heated. (laughs) Right now. But it's just. She's doing having fun. (laughs) Oh, that's why you don't want to hang out with us after laughing. I feel like they only accepted people of color into programs they deem people of color worthy to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's usually in liberal and social. There is so much many of y'all in there than ours. They call us the HBCU on campus. <laughs> Are that's you what serious? they call us, yeah. Oh, we got shit. Color. Like, we just be that's bumping in awesome. there. But then it's like, if you go down the same street and you start going in the stems, you'd be like, oh, damn, Ooh. it's like three of us. Maybe four on a good day. lonely over there. It definitely does. It's super segregated. I've never, like, it's just, it's so scary to me. And then when you go to other campuses, you see the same shit. Mm -hmm. All the black people, all the POCs, like, all the POCs are sitting over there in the liberals. In the education department. In the education department. Sociology, psychology. Shit, they in the Spanish department. I mean, (laughs) they in every other department. But then when you go to STEMs, it's completely lacking and then they wonder why when people do come there's this attrition that people are not staying because they make it so hostile for us in the first place or we come there and they act like we got there because of affirmative action that we didn't deserve to be there that they yeah that they helping us and then and we're underqualified that's true because i'm also thinking about the the other aspect of that right you're going into that strand but then you also have people who show who show that they're capable? Now they're dumping all the black stuff on you. Yep. Like, here you go. Here you go. All the black stuff. We want now. you to be on the diversity committee. <laughs> exactly. We yeah. want to do a a, ping, a piece on you to showcase you. You want to take pictures of you so you can be on our website. Hey, you do outreach. <laughs> you do outreach. Can you be the outreach coordinator? You know black people. Can you be on our committee That's so it. we can have that one black person on all our the committee? Time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we now you're you balancing. <laughs> and you're gonna be sitting over there on every poster. On every little picture they have. But you can't get your research done. Nope. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to kick you out because you ain't get your research done. But you want every poster, every TV commercial. And they be like, I don't know why they left. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they got kicked out. They couldn't handle it. Yo, maybe they wasn't the right fit. They wasn't the right fit. <laughs> <laughs> or the people that they actually choose. Because I think we were talking about this with the... Because you, you mentioned, like, the code switching or whatnot earlier. Or the way, mm-hmm. we, the way we talk. Because, like... 
me, me and my aunt, in a sense, we don't really believe in code switching, but we know that some people, it happens, and, like, we just try to, like, do what we do. We try to, like, just be who we are. Though when y'all was, uh, y'all went on Facebook Live and y'all was talking about Ebonics, I was like, I don't know how to even speak Ebonics. I couldn't even if I tried. But... <laughs> Um, they don't choose the people. There can be, like, I know, like, from where I'm from, there are people that are, like, the best and brightest. Like, they smart as hell. I know this dude, he is smart as fuck. But he don't really believe in higher education and all that shit. And probably, they probably wouldn't accept him anyway because of the way he talk mm-hmm. or just some of his, like, yeah, or just, like, yeah, they wouldn't accept him anyway because they like, well, no, that's not the right fit. We're not going to bring him in. Because he could have had, like, straight A's, all that shit, G- high GIE score. But when he came in for the, and when he would have came in for the interview, they would have been like, nah, bro, he didn't fit. So we're not going to bring yeah. him into mm-hmm. this. It's strictly your appearance. I remember and the fear. Yeah. <laughs> when I came up here to do an interview, I I was going through a phase of where I like colorful ass lipstick. All right. So mm-hmm. I had like the fuchsias of fuchsias <laughs> and like the kiss uh, prince type purples. And I was wearing a lot of that shit. With mm-hmm. short hair and just I was blackly black again, just coming into this white space. And I had no problem. But when I went in the interview room with my bright purple lipstick. Just looking at you like uh the guy was just looking at me and he was like, So what do you think you can tr- contribute to this department? And I was like, Well, I am I am a scholar. Like I've done this, mm-hmm. I've done that, these are my accolades, this is my GPA, I graduated magna cum laude, like all this kind of, yeah, I was over there. Pass your lipstick. Mm-hmm. I was like, sprinkle, sprinkle, Tinkerbell, come on, give me that, give me that <laughs> glitter. Like, like, I'm the shit, I know I'm the right. shit, come on, let me in. And he was just like, I just find you to be a very unique individual. Uh, he was like, I just see your personality just right there. And I was like, what does that have to do? I could be a complete <laughs> asshole and antisocial, but the fact that I had on purple lipstick for some reason was the only thing that resonated. The girl behind me came in with bright ass pink hair. He asked her the same questions because my nosy ass said about her doing <laughs> I know. And then at the end of it, it was like her pink hair had not even like done anything. He ain't say nothing about her. He said nothing. She wasn't unique. But I was just like, that's so, you know, it was just weird. I got in. I hated it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, just like the way that they expect you to know a lot of this, these hidden curriculum. But the good thing is, like, I feel like black students, I think. In terms of culture, like Ebonics, Av, like African-American vernacular, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. that's formulated and that's created through community. Like, there's no set, like, you know, the Brooklyn, New York have their own set because there's a people, group of people who live there mm-hmm. and have shared experience. I think for black, um, for black students, for black graduate students, we have our own lingo. Mm-hmm. We have our own ways of viewing things because, you know. I feel like a lot of us, we look at eyes. Like, if somebody, if you hear some crazy shit, somebody say some wild shit, there's some, there's an eye just that you make to everybody else that's black in the room. <laughs> like, hey, like you did that? you just hear what this motherfucker said? Look, we already came up with cold. and be like, tap your nose twice. If you know some shit finna go down, we need to leave. Exactly. Like, hey, we out. You be peeping? Mm-hmm. And I love that, like, especially on our campus, I expect, like, when you were hearing stuff, all of us, no matter where we were, if we were in STEMs, if we were just in the liberal arts, if we were doing education, whatever, like, we all could mesh well when mm-hmm. we all hung out. When we did kickbacks and stuff, 
we rarely even talked about. No, I don't we, even think we, we ain't ever talk about research. No, we never talked about research. Uh, it was all just like, "Hey, you good? You cool? All right, now pass the food. Let's go." Now, when, now, 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 if I do go to like when I do I try to like interact with mm-hmm. my fellow white people, research always come up because I'm like, we ain't got nothing else in common, <laughs> <laughs> and they wonder why. <laughs> I really don't hang out with them because I'm like, how that project going? Like, don't he ask you how your mama doing about that project though? Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> At least I can ask everybody something about something outside of research. Like, how your family? Like, hey, y'all seen that new episode? They'd be like, they might be like, <laughs> what show is that? Is it on the Hulu? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just done. All right, all right, all right. So we about to get kicked the fuck out of here. Yeah, because our time. Let is them up. kick us out. Let them. <laughs> nah, nah. We are gonna fight this. If they get us, bury us in the library with our ancestors. <laughs> Stop it. The most overused line in a movie. Just like three months later, you be looking at it, you be like, I don't think I wanted to do that. Like, <laughs> like we gonna get buried out there. <laughs> Like, do a lot of floating. Ain't a lot of burying down now. We ain't even go halfway. <laughs> Everybody sat there and was like quoting that shit, and then like two, three months later, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if they hit the same. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't the spicy. This shit was hot that first month though. Yeah. All right. So uh, we want to thank Kadeem. Yeah. For, for uh, you. This was thank a definitely you so much for having me because you definitely like spit some knowledge. Uh, definitely. Um, I try. I mean, in these last five minutes, why don't you just give a final note, a takeaway, and as a tradition, somehow end it with saying, "Bitch, I'm just trying to." Or you try to graduate. <laughs> Yeah, I did graduate, but I got a master. I graduated <laughs> twice, y'all. Good God! <laughs> the way I look at my program now, I didn't leave. I just set up my son or daughter to make sure that they get a degree. Like they, they, they have to get their PhD now. I can't do everything. Hey, they gotta surpass you know, the father. Exactly. Next generation. I had to leave them some room to grow. You feel me? <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I think my biggest thing right now is finding happiness. You know, wherever that is, um, and pursue it. Like, be an asshole about your happiness. Be mm-hmm. an asshole about the steps to make you happy. And um, whether or not you're in a program, whether or not you um, are getting an advanced degree, or if you getting your GED, if you getting your master's, if you getting the associates, whatever have you, find programs that make you happy and give you purpose. That you know, it's not all in vain. Mm-hmm. Because there's going to be moments where you get challenged. There's going to be moments where you think, like, is this worth it? And if you don't have a good answer for yourself, it ain't going to be looking good for you. And then being comfortable in the decisions that you make and just knowing that, you know, no matter what, um, don't let have universities take away that happiness for sake of a paper. Be happy, be, be stingy in your pursuit of happiness at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is making sure that you're well um, taken care of to make sure that you get your degree. Because at the end of the day, whether you graduate with your PhD or graduating from preschool, going to kindergarten, at the end of the day, bitch, we just trying to graduate. That's Yay. right. <laughs> All right. Now tell Follow people. us on social media, Kadeem Talk Kool-Aid. All right, guys, so that's the end of our podcast for today. Um, so we just heard from our friend Kadeem. Um, we want to thank him again for coming into the studio. Yep, thank you. And, I mean, it was just a really thought-provoking idea, just everything that we wanted. So 
Of course, we got to end it with our shameless social media plug. Um, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram by using at B-I-J-T-G underscore podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook. At B-I-J-T-G podcast, no underscore. We have a discussion group where we'll be posting resources and employment opportunities and it's just a place a safe space for us to come together and discuss anything that we've talked on this podcast anything you want us to talk about and just you know if you just need to vent safe space it's safe space we're here to listen talk to us let us know how you are feeling and so this is our last episode of the season Mm -hmm. in a few weeks it is christmas and New Year's. And New Year's. So and eight want... days is Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to make sure that we wish you guys a happy holiday, a safe holiday. And while we want you to be productive graduate students and get work done, we also want you to make sure you make time for your family and friends. Yep. Do not let grad school overtake your life. So happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, happy Christmas, and happy holidays and New Year's. And we'll see you next year. Bing. Hello everyone. Hey. What's I'm up? Maya. I'm Samika. And today we have a special guest with us. This is Kadeem Fuller. Hey y'all. What's up? How, how do y'all start the podcast? <laughs> is it kind of like how do y'all greet the viewers? Like are they? Well, we just did. We just did it. Are they bitches? Like what's up? Like, how do you start? <laughs> no. are, are they? How are they? Like grab bitches? I don't know. <laughs> grab bitches. What's up, y'all? We don't call them grab bitches. They just feel that shit on a spiritual or physical mental level. <laughs> gotcha. I respect that. That's all that is. Hello, hello, hello. No, You're listening to Bitch, I'm Trying to Graduate. Oh no, I'm God. just trying to graduate. <laughs> I don't need that. You got that just in there. I'm just yeah, you gotta trying feel that to graduate. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we can have nice things right here. We, get, we put people on the podcast and do what they do. Okay. 